This is Mark and Kim Holinsky. Welcome to United, a Holinsky's Hope-powered podcast for student-athletes. United furthers our mission to raise awareness and end the stigma around mental illness. Taking care of your mental health is important to your happiness and performance in sport and life. We dedicate this podcast to Tyler and the mental wellness of student-athletes everywhere. Our goal is that you find hope and support in each episode. Please follow Holinsky's Hope on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Always for Tyler. And forever to three. Hello, welcome to United Conversations for Student-Athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Nicholson. For me, sports psychologists and mental health professionals working with athletes and just people that are committed to supporting the mental health of student athletes across the country, there's this idea that if we could take mental health and elevate it to the same level that we think about physical health, something that we need to pay attention to, take care of, be as healthy as possible, and uh, take care of when we fall below the standard of health that we want to take, that we would have a different conversation around mental health, mental illness, mental health struggle, and it would be destigmatizing because we would be able to talk about it just like we talk about physical health. Well, I ran across a tweet the other day that really uh, struck a chord with me in this. It was from Dr. Alex Auerbach. Now, I've known Alex for a while. He was the director of clinical and sports psychology for University of Arizona. Um, He's worked with collegiate and elite athletes uh, for years. And now he is the director of wellness and development at the Toronto Raptors. But his Twitter feed is one that actually is really cool to follow because he has a lot of great insight, a lot of good information. Um, it's at Alex Auerbach, A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H, Ph.D. Uh, and he talked about this idea of mental fitness. And I think it really clued into what we're talking about Uh, how to have conversations about mental wellness in similar ways uh, as we do physical wellness. So I'm not going to go into the tweets. I'm not going to go into his framework because that's what I have him here for. So I'm excited about uh, being able to talk about this framework um, and how he kind of has these conversations around mental fitness. So let's get going with today's conversation with Dr. Alex Auerbach. Alex, welcome to United. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to have you, especially you made a big jump from the collegiate world to the pro world. And uh, I know, you know, that's been probably a transition, but really exciting. And, you know, how's everything been going? It's a it's an incredibly interesting time to change roles, um, exactly. you know, amidst a, a pandemic and um, moving internationally from Arizona to Canada has been a bit eye opening. Um, and then moving back to the States with the border closure so that the team can play has been yet another challenge to navigate. Um, and so it's, you know, on a personal side, it's um, 
it's going okay, um, but mm-hmm. there've been a lot of different things to, to sort of think through or adjust to. And then, um, you know, I, I think still thinking about it in terms of the people I interact with and the world that we're in right now, I think, um, you know, I, honestly, my heart's a little heavy today, still thinking about and processing the Dante Wright shooting and, yeah. um, you know, thinking about the people I work with um, and people I'm close with and, you know, the broader community and, and how folks are doing with that amidst the ongoing pandemic and all the other issues we're still dealing with. And so um, I'm doing okay. Um, yeah. And, and hoping that, um, you know, we can start to see some progress here soon on all these different fronts. Oh, that's, that's so well said, just the heaviness and the hope of progress and, you know, just kind of living, moving in circles with people that we care about and how is this affecting everyone? And, you know, the, the whole how's it going thing kind of comes with a qualifier. It's like our standards move, like, you know, a year and a half ago, I say, how's it going? And uh, okay, good, you know, means one thing. And now it's like, how's it going? Given that we are in a pandemic, that we have all this social unrest and, and uh, you know, terrible things and hope of change and all that kind of stuff. Considering all that you know, should be just kind of uh, an understood when we ask that question. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, it's a lot. And we're working through it. Right. Well, and I mentioned um, before that a tweet that you had really caught my eye and it's so related to what we're talking about. And, um, you know, if if we're in, um, you know, this pandemic, I think a lot of us have been really attuned to our physical health. And I've heard so many people, oh, gosh, the allergy season, I'd wake up every morning and be like, this is it. This is COVID, you know, (laughs) and there's not that same kind of hypervigilance to our mental health, even though that's just as much in crisis right now. Uh, so that really um, draws me to this idea of a framework you have about couching these things in f- mental fitness. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it catches your attention. For sure. So, what is mental like? What is mental fitness? Um, that's a great question, and I, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not sure that I fully have my mind wrapped around all the different ways I think I could define it or how it plays out. But I think ultimately, for me, the framework of mental fitness is starting to move more toward a place of mental health, mental wellness, mental performance, um, and just general mental well being as a more trainable skill, um, and about you know, how we can take care of our minds the same way that we take care of our bodies. Um, And so I think, you know, if you think historically about psychology and some of the terminology that's emerged around mental illness um, and thinking about things consistently as, you know, something is wrong with a person or wrong when you feel sad or angry, um, I think mental fitness is, you know, an attempt to sort of reimagine what those experiences mean and how we define them for ourselves. Um, And it puts it into a different framework that makes it more about, um, you know, responding and training appropriately our minds to deal with these different things that life throws at us um, and sort of normalizes the full range of human experience. And so, you know, I think the original paper I read that talked about mental fitness really couched it um, in three sort of dimensions. And there's endurance, strength and flexibility, you know, very similar to kind of a physical training and physical fitness paradigm. And 
I've thought about that a lot. And I think there are probably other dimensions that I would include for myself. Um, but ultimately, what really resonates for me is the idea that these are all trainable skills. These are all things we can learn um, and adapt. And, and you know, if we are limited in one area, we can come to compensate in another. Um, and that makes us sort of a more well-rounded mental athlete, if you will. And so that's that's sort of where I'm at with it right now. I love it. I, I love it. And I'm here for all of it. So and there's so much to unpack and kind of digest with it. Um, the fact that, well, I am curious, I want to ask, um, you said that there were some other dimensions that you might personally add. What are those? Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly how I would break them down yet. But the way I've, at least my initial thinking on it is like, I think power is an interesting mm. physical, you know, sort of dimension that's left out of endurance, strength and flexibility. Um, and then I think there are other sort of extensions of the parallel that can be drawn. Um, so the ideas of rehab or prehab, I think, are highly relevant. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so those are some of the ways I've started to think about how do I extend this paradigm beyond, you know, these three sort of core characteristics that emerged in the beginning and start to think a little bit more about all the factors that would go into, you know, mental health and mental performance. And so those are some of the places I've extended it. That's cool. So here's, here's the way it hit me, Alex. Like, so, you know, I read through your thread um, and, you know, and I have mentioned that your, your Twitter feed is one that's really good to follow um, just for its information and insightfulness and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the way it struck me, I, I thought about it and I was like, okay, so when we look at somebody and we just, you know, are hanging out, you know, maybe know them um, from wherever, we don't necessarily say, oh, that person is um, physically well or physically sick, unless we know, right? And um, But we all are on a spectrum with that, physical health. So sometimes we there are things in our physical health that we don't pay attention to until something goes wrong, and then it's physical illness. But most of us look for different ways in our life to be more physically healthy, whether I mean, some of us are kind of nutty with it, like going to the gym every day and, and eating, um, you know, for fuel really well and, um, you know, taking vitamins or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And then other people are like pretty good with where they are and they may try to add some broccoli or, you know, whatever. But yeah. we all just kind of are aware, like we need to take care of ourselves physically so that we don't, um, so that we're more resistant or we're more um, resilient in, in terms of illness. Right. And the other thing that really stuck out to me, uh, so I have toddlers, uh, so a lot of times if they grab something off the floor and eat it before I can get to them or, you know, they ingest some dirt or whatever happens in toddler world, there's a joke that, oh, that contributes to their immune system being strong. <laughs> I think it's very similar when we come up against obstacles or challenges or, um, you know, mental health struggles that it contributes to our overall resilience. Um, and, and so those are the, those are the places and I could go on and on, but I don't, those are the places that I went to right away. I love it. I think those are both great places to go. Um, you know, I think, you know, to the first part, I think what's interesting to me is, 
you know, there's been such, and I think some of it's sort of how psychology emerged kind of out of the Western medicine paradigm. Um, and there's more of a focus on illness and there's just been sort of a, a love of biology and physical functioning in our country for a really long time. Um, and that's where a lot of psychology thinking has sort of emerged and certainly influenced the way I think about things. Um, and we still have, you know, I think the point that it's on a spectrum is, is great and highly relevant because I think what it also means is there, you know, again, it doesn't mean you couldn't change your place on the spectrum, but what it does mean is, you know, the degree of effort or work you put in on your particular place is going to influence the way you perform a particular task based on that spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So if I think about um, the people I work with in my everyday life, you know, these are highly, highly gifted physical athletes who train uh, unbelievably hard every day. Um, but they do so because they perform incredible athletic feats. And so that's sort of what's required of them to move up that physical fitness spectrum. Um, and so other people may not have those same sort of physical requirements, but those requirements or the parameters that people are dealing with may often change. And so, you know, I would argue that like the, the players I work with um, are probably going to be quicker to pick up, say, another sport and perform it at a high level than someone who doesn't train at all. And so I think there's, you know, we all make decisions about, uh, how much we invest in that that side of things. And I think the same thing is true on the mental health side and the mental fitness side, um, which is not to say that you couldn't be, you know, physically functioning well or mentally functioning well without any degree of training. Uh, but it is to say that some training is likely to help you um, as you navigate progressively harder challenges or move into new spaces. And, you know, the reality of our world, particularly in the pandemic is uh, everything's pretty unpredictable and stuff is changing all the time. And so there is a degree to which that mental fitness training and, and working on um, your mindset is likely to help you with navigating some of those challenges. And so I think that's an important place for us to start to think about how we change it. And I think there are ways to do that with, you know, one thing I love about this paradigm too, is it connects the mind and body in a, in a way that I think is, is highly relevant and uh, based in sort of the, the science of what we're starting to uncover around how intimately these things are linked. Um, you know, whether you, you go kind of top down head to body or, or bottom up body to, to mind, um, both influence the other. And so I think this paradigm works well for that. Um, and I think it ties nicely into to what you're talking about in the resilience aspect, which is just to say, um, you know, the more we train, the more we can, we can take on. Uh, that's how kind of progressive load works. Um, you know, that's how periodization works in the physical training world. Um, and it's not always about volume. Sometimes it's about rest and sometimes it's about, um, you know, engaging in different ways that we move through the training, but all of that contributes to our ability to function a little bit better. And so I think there are just ton, tons of ways we can extrapolate this paradigm across, um, everyone really, whether it's our, ourselves as individuals in the pandemic or a couple of toddlers. Absolutely. I mean, it's so, um, I, it's so holistic. It is, I think when you said that it um, kind of, you know, ignores this dichotomy that we've kind of created between the mind and the body and um, goes to the more, the truth, which is they are so intimately related that there's, um, you know, they're just two parts of the same um, whole that work together. And that's so appealing to me um, just because I think we've all had the experience where we get sick and it actually makes us sad or like we experience mm -hmm. that depression from an injury or, you know, all that and being able to look at it as a holistic, you know, as a whole 
I think is so helpful, not just from a, um, you know, mental illness, physical illness perspective, but from the total fitness of a person. And we all know, like, even if it's just coming up the stairs, if I am working out and training, um, you know, doing some cardio, that kind of thing, that sort of thing is going to be better, easier. I'm going to do it quickly and more with ease. Um, even if I could have gotten up the stairs before. For sure. For sure. I, I think that's a great way to think about it, right? As all these little training things definitely add up. Um, and, and I think the same thing is true with our mental fitness, right? And so, you know, whether you're a college student preparing for exams, right? The more you study and prepare, the harder you work in your preparation, hopefully the easier the exam is going to be. Um, you know, if you sleep and your functioning is a little bit better, you're probably going to perform a little bit better. If you can find creative ways to manage your breathing, you're maybe going to perform better. There are all these little strategies you can sort of tack on to get closer to that sort of optimal fitness state for whatever task it is you're performing. And, and I think the same thing is true, obviously, of athletic performance, right? So um, if you change the way that you think of the stairs, if the stairs become fun instead of a dread, um, you know, that little intervention can make it can go a long way for how easy it feels to climb the stairs. That is so important. So when we talk about, um, well, when we talk about getting in shape, or we talk about um mental health efforts that, that are going to help us in the long run. I think a lot of times it can be overwhelming because it's like, man, I cannot meditate 20 minutes every single day. But we know um, from workouts that just changing the little stuff, you make little incremental improvements. You don't go for everything all at once because too much change isn't sustainable. And it's the same way. So I think the language around this um, really is a way that we can talk about it and um, kind of remove some of that stigma that we experience and some of the overwhelming nature of the idea of becoming mentally healthy, you know? Oh, for sure. And I think that's such an important point that you're raising, which is, I, th I think, I hope this is an accessible way of thinking about it, um, you know, and so I think you're spot on. I, I mean, and I can certainly think of, you know, my own experiences meditating or learning to meditate or working with people who are learning to meditate, for example, or are trying to implement imagery to assist in sport performance or set goals or think about making some behavior change. And, and it can feel overwhelming. And I think that that's, you know, in large part because, um, it's really hard to, to sort of imagine all the steps that go in between where you are and where you want to be. Um, and so I think, you know, again, the fitness and the training paradigm makes it a little bit more process oriented and it's a little bit more focused on, you know, what can we do at any given moment to help ourselves get a little bit closer to that ideal outcome we're working toward instead of like you're saying, you know, imagining it as this grand sweeping change, like going from zero minutes meditating to 20 minutes meditating as though meditating one minute a day to get started wouldn't help, um, I think is sort of a, a false, false dichotomy there. And so I think, you know, to, to your point exactly, I think this sort of training and starting to think about it as um, fitness and levels um, and the different ways that we can train and develop versus thinking about it as you have it or you don't 
um, I think makes a really big difference for the way we start to think about how we can improve people's mental fitness um, and the small changes that they want to make in their lives. And, you know, I think James Clear has been sort of a pioneer for some of this habit forming stuff, but um, I finished Atomic Habits fairly recently. And I think that the stat he threw out, which was fascinating, um, was I think 1% improvement every day cha- adds up to about 37 times more improvement over the course of a year. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. So there's these really, really small, what seemingly small changes, right? Things that almost feel like so small that they couldn't be important add up to really, really big differences over time. And I think starting to think about it as that small change is a bit of fitness training um, and you get your fitness in when you can, I think can go a long way. For sure. There was a poster I saw that said, it's really hard to find a way to get 100% better, but it's really easy to find 100 ways to get 1% better. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> like and it, it was a Gatorade thing. I think, um, just to give credit, um, where, you know, I don't know who wrote it, somebody at Gatorade. So, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, but that, um, that's, I think there's so many similarities with when we see somebody that's a gym rat that eats really well, that, you know, um, does the breathing that does, you know, takes care of their physical body. It becomes aspirational and, I would love to see this type of dialogue have the same effect without the um, kind of guilt that's associated sometimes like, you know, well, I certainly am not going to the gym every day. (laughs) So, um, you know, but noticing like, okay, but if you take the stairs instead of the elevator, like finding these small ways, the other thing um, is that it's not for, one thing is not for everybody. For example, you know, there's, there are people that, um, eating well means something different, uh, for different people and actually counting calories and paying attention to all that is not healthy for some people. Mm -hmm. So it's so individual. Um, but I think the bottom line is that it's all trainable. It's all, you know, you can control doing those small, maybe one small thing a day. Um, you know, like taking three deep breaths once a day. That's a big deal. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. I I don't know that I, um, had drawn the connection to this sort of like physical, you know, admiration you were talking about. I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think as I'm just thinking about it now, I think a lot of the times, when we celebrate some sort of mental fortitude, it's often in the context of overcoming some great adversity and very rarely in the context of like, wow, this person has just been consistently elite um, except for say, you know, maybe a few athletes like a, you know, a Kobe Bryant, I think is a great example. Um, But, uh, you know, oftentimes it's more the stories around overcoming adversity that, that really resonate there from sort of the, the mental resilience or mental fortitude or peak mental performance aspect. And so I think that's really interesting um, because it's sort of places like um, it places difficulty at the center of the narrative versus um, thinking about, you know, just sort of training and constant improvement as really the key to that kind of growth. And so then it's almost like if you don't overcome some, some, adversity, like it's impossible to get there. And I don't, I don't think that's a fair statement. And so I think that's a really interesting connection to draw and start to think about a little bit. Cause you're right. I think, um, you know, I think even about this across sports, it's like, you know, the, the type of training that goes into being an elite 
diver is very different than the type of training that goes into being an elite NBA player. But that doesn't necessarily mean that one is any better than the other. Right. Um, it's, it's really all about the context in which we need to perform. And I think the same thing would be true from the mental fitness side, which is to say, you know, if you look at it from a sports paradigm, like, you know, the, the paradigm of baseball mental performance is very different from football or basketball or soccer. And there are some similarities like there would be for any level of, you know, physical performance, but there are also some really critical differences. And then if you extrapolate beyond the athletic space and into, um, you know, work, right, like different jobs have different sort of mental fitness requirements where, uh, maybe jobs like the ones you and I do rely a little bit more on kind of like the interpersonal style and presence and focus and things like that, whereas others may rely more on sort of like mathematical ability or the ability to stay deeply focused on one thing in a way that, at least for myself, I can't do. Amen. Um, Amen so, to that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know what's interesting too is like when um, when I go to the gym or I go for a run or um, you know, lift weight, whatever it is physically, there's something to show for it. People can see me doing that. They, you know, see, they do see the results, but a lot of times, um, you know, they just see me doing these things habitually. And, um, that's kind of, uh, reinforcing for me. It's, it's you know, um, aspirational for that, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But when we're doing mental training, like, um, you don't really see somebody taking deep breaths. You don't see. And so it's not, it doesn't, it's not like as sexy. It's not as appealing because, <laughs> and it's harder work to do than, I mean, at this point, like going to the gym is easy and <laughs> um, people are going to notice when I'm not there. That's not the same with things like connecting with others in a meaningful way, because I know that, you know, um, is mentally healthy for me or going to therapy that's something that um, when it's thrown into a conversation at a dinner party, it, there's kind of like a awkward pause for a second. I mean, not in my circles, but, um, you know, because everybody's like, oh, me too. But, <laughs> you know, but there often is kind of this like, oh, are we going in that direction? You know, and mm -hmm. um, and so but people don't necessarily see the hard work that goes into that 50 minutes a week. Um, so I think it's harder in those ways because we aren't accustomed to elevating that kind of work, that personal introspective, um, like putting the mental uh, to the test, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I, I think that's also an interesting point because um, I think with the physical side of training, people are really looking for the growth and evolution. And you're right, it's very visible, typically, even if you're just seeing somebody do the behavior, like you have this in mind that, you know, seeing Josie at the gym every day is going to ultimately lead to the, the changes that she wants. And, and it's harder to see that with a thing like therapy. But I think, you know, what's resonating for me as I'm hearing you talk about this and, and bringing this perspective up is, um, I think sometimes, and what I hope this paradigm helps people move away from, is this idea that simply not having something wrong means you are at the peak of your mental fitness. Right. And, and I think, you know, that's, that part is a point of great divergence, I think, mm -hmm. with physical health, where physical health is not like, 
if you're not sick, but you're not training, nobody's looking at you as though you're the peak of physical fitness. Um, you, you know, there is some training that needs to go on to get there. And I think um, in the mental side of things, you know, that that sort of deficit orientation or the idea that something is wrong and that's the only time that we would intervene or do any sort of training, I think is really a limiting factor there. And so I think that's part of, you know, my my thinking around introducing language around fitness and thinking about all these different parts of our mental fitness that we could train um, so that it's a little bit less of this um, absence of illness as a marker of health and a little bit more of, um, you know, like I am where I am on this spectrum and let me just keep training and keep getting better. And like anything in physical training, there may be times where I plateau, there may be times where I get injured, right? All those, mm-hmm. those same parallels exist. Um, but that doesn't mean that I should not train in some other ways or not address the injury. You know, all of those things are still highly relevant here. Um, and so it, it does, it creates a really uh, simple framework for helping people draw parallels and thinking about it uh, a little bit more. Um, and I'm hopeful that the mental fitness language gets people to think a little bit more about, it's not just about not experiencing anxiety or not experiencing depression. It's about optimizing my life and living the best I can and, you know, being connected with my values and having great relationships and feeling fulfilled and, um, you know, things like psychological richness. I think all that stuff I would love to see come to the forefront a little bit more. Right. And flexibility and, um, you know, capacity to be vulnerable and all those things um, could be elevated in the same way that we're like, you know, wow, look at, his biceps or whatever, <laughs> and, and it's, but it's interesting um, because too, like in the physical world, uh, oftentimes when left to our own devices, you know, once we're out of, um, you know, the arenas where people, you know, say, here's your workout for today. Uh, we often train the things that we enjoy and feel good. And we ignore um, you know, or train much less the places that aren't as fun, that are more difficult. And so when we, you know, are trying to become more physically fit, we kind of go after those areas. We call them weak areas. Uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. and, and it's actually not that it's just areas that we know are not as strong as others. It's very similar for, um, you know, becoming more mentally healthy. The things that we are not necessarily the healthiest, um, in or that we're, we're not, we could become better in or stronger in are, are sometimes not the things that we excel, find fun. Um, so it's hard. It is really hard work. Oh, for sure. I, yeah, I think, um, this concept of like an imbalance, right? Like a muscle imbalance Mm -hmm. or something like that, I think is, is relevant too. And, um, it is hard. And I think that's a big part of it. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, people can find ways to maybe embrace the journey a little bit more and see how working on some of those harder aspects can make life a little bit better. Um, you know, I, so I think like um, if I were to, to think a little bit more about maybe training some of, the, some of the mental imbalances, I think you're right. People are drawn to what they feel strong in. People are drawn to what they're passionate about. Um, and it's like really easy for people generally to double down on things that are working well because right. uh, typically we're being reinforced for those things and yeah. it feels good. 
Um, and, and it's sometimes a little bit harder to get that same reinforcement or acknowledgement when we're doing things that are really hard. And, and oftentimes it can almost feel like we're being punished for doing those things um, because we're not doing them gracefully. Right. And mm-hmm. so we might be trying something new um, and, you know, maybe we're being more vulnerable than we have been or expressing our emotion differently or we're raising a, a conflict um, in a way that we haven't before. And people are sort of like caught off guard by that. And, and um, like any change, you know, sometimes people are, are resistant to that. And so sometimes the world around us acts to sort of keep that a little bit limited. Sometimes we hold self limiting beliefs about our ability to train those things. Sometimes it's a mixture of both. Um But my hope is that, you know, like you're saying, if we can start to address some of these imbalances, uh, hopefully what we find is people are experiencing life a little bit more harmoniously um, and are feeling a little bit more connected to themselves and the world around them and starting to appreciate some of the things they um, need to work on and improve on, knowing that, you know, ultimately, like a muscle imbalance, um, you know, working on that or improving your muscle flexibility is going to allow you to say, you know, run a little bit farther, run a little bit faster. I think the same would be true here. You know, so improving your interpersonal relationships, if that's a place where you're a little bit uh, weaker for now, um, you know, it's going to improve your life on the basketball court or on the golf course um, or at work. And I, I think all of that is highly, highly relevant. Um, and people, you know, I think sleep is probably the most obvious oh, example gosh, yeah. that, that people bring up where, you know, that I think is, is starting to get the attention it deserves, but certainly not enough where it's sort of like, well, you know, you just will sleep deprive ourselves because there's always more work to do. And it's like, well, if you just fix this little imbalance, little do you know how much better your work will be. Um, yes. and, and so I think those those pieces are really important to think about, too. Um, and I think to try to embrace it as a as an experiment, uh, you know, it's not like a, a everything is not going to work for every person. Right. Um, you know, there are some people who need less sleep than others. So it's an incredibly small subset of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you are one of those people, that's fine. Then you can find some other ways to optimize and other limitations to address. But if you're not, that might be a really good place to start. You know, it's so um, interesting to think of it in this way. So, you know, you think about whoever it is in your head. Um, that represents the most fit athletes on the planet. For me, I always think it's soccer, but I'm biased. <laughs> um, but, you know, check it out. Look at their, you know, what they can do. So we'll say soccer, just as an example. Even the most fit players have places that they are working on improving. But then the other thing is that they don't just reach that level and go, oh, I'm here. That was good they every day kind of keep it up and challenge themselves and stretch themselves, but they have to do stuff to just maintain that level um, and then look for ways to get better. So uh, it's really similar, you know, because when we oftentimes with mental training or mental fitness, I think we get to a place where, well, you know, I'm feeling good and we kind of, um, let it go by the wayside a little bit and, and don't maintain it as much as we could. For sure. I think this is a great point too. I I think uh, generally we've got to learn to fall in love with boredom a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think 
the climb, the climb to being great at something is often, although challenging, I think it's often very rewarding, right? Like you can see the obstacles you've overcome. If we take the soccer example, like you can see your team climbing to the top of the chart, right? Um, and you can see how your hard work is being measured in goals or de defense and your constant improvement. Uh, but then once you arrive there, there's like no more measuring sticks and, and things start to be, you know, if you won the championship and you're the team in first place, it's, it's now about maintaining that position and it's much less about, you know, constantly seeing or being rewarded for a step up uh, because there's no more up to go. And I think it's really important to start to then think about if I'm feeling really good about where I'm at in my mental training, how do I maintain this? How do I keep this going? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you're exactly right. Uh, people will stop doing the things that have gotten to them to this place because they have arrived. And it feels like it's a bit of a plateau, right? The, the change in our performance or feeling better becomes much, much smaller because we've you know closed the gap on some of that skill development. Um, and so I think that's where the falling in love with boredom comes into play, right? If you're not going to be reinforced all the time or it's not always going to be evident what improvement you're making, that's not a sign that you should stop. Um, that's just a sign that you're at a normal sort of point in your development where you're mastering this skill. Um, and it's going to take a little bit of time to get it to that next level. But if you let up on that, you know, that's when um, that's when things can can be challenging. And so I think if you, again, draw to the physical fitness parallel, you know, it's not like you would train um, to play a soccer season. And then as soon as the season started, you would just stop training because you're playing a bunch of soccer games or you won, like you're going to still go to rehab and prehab and you're going to lift weights to try to prevent injury. And you're going to still run because those are things that help keep you on the top. Um, and I think this should be no different. I think if this has helped you, um, and I, I would argue it can help everyone. Um, if this is something that's helping you just because you have reached a particular goal, doesn't mean now you should ease up um, and you should keep stick with it because I think that that sticking with it is going to keep you there longer um, and be a little bit more fulfilling. Yes. So because I have your tweet here, your tweet thread, <laughs> um, one of the things that you had written out is we don't expect to run a six minute mile the first time we hit the track. We train to run fast. Similarly, we shouldn't expect ourselves to be clutch in the last minute of game, but we can train to be clutch. And I love that this is really putting it in our court in terms of what is controllable. But so one of the things, you know, growing up as an athlete, um, if I wasn't really good at something right away, I kind of walked away from it because I would just go to the things that make me feel good. Right. And, <laughs> you know, that's why I never, you know, kept with tennis. I tried it twice. Wasn't good. Walked away. I was like, I don't need hand eye coordination if I got hand feet coordination. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, how I feel about golf, so I'm with you. <laughs> well, golf is bigger than all of us. But, uh, but yeah, so, but that's the thing is a lot of times when we, uh, things are hard with, let's say, mindfulness or um, deep breathing. It's, you know, we find ourselves getting distracted or, um, you know, really struggle to remember, whatever it is, the challenge. Um, a lot of times we walk away from it because it's like, well, I tried that and I just wasn't good at it. Um, and setting it up where we have that same expectation, um, I think is a really smart <laughs> way to start with mental training and also recognizing that if I'm training to run fast, 
and I'm truly putting in the work, I'm probably going to see pretty exponential um, differences from the get-go because I'm slow right now and I don't train for that. But if somebody from the track team is training to get faster, that one second is um, is a, a coup in you know some um, instances. I mean, it's a really big deal to have those small, tiny changes that maybe aren't as exciting as shaving 30 seconds off your mile, you know? For uh, sure. So being aware of the parallels there is, is really sets up a reasonable expectation, I think. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm glad you raised that because, you know, this is one, and I'm sure you can, can relate to this. I, I can think of so many folks I've worked with, whether it's in, in sports or in the business sector or, you know, wherever. Um, and even myself, I'm, I fall, fall prey to this sometimes as well, which is like, I try something new. It doesn't like deeply resonate right away or it feels hard. And then it's like, well, that's just not going to work for me. And, mm-hmm. and where I've come to is like, well, actually maybe that, that feeling hard is actually a sign that this is something that, that is going to work. Yes. For you. Maybe this is a sign that, that there's more here for you to unpack. And if you can, you know, stick with this, not only will you learn this new skill, but you'll also learn a second skill, which is navigating something hard. Um, and I think that's less exciting sometimes for people because you're right. It's like really, it's really um, notable and feels like a giant victory to go from running an eight minute mile to a seven thirty mile. Cause the amount of time you shaved off is, is huge. But again, as you get more and more, um, you know, elite at something, the variance in that behavior is really, really small. And so one second at a four minute mile pace is a huge, huge difference. Um, and a much bigger difference than one second is at say a 20 mile, minute mile pace. And so that's not to say that, you know, neither improvement or one improvement is better than the other. It just is to say that, um, you know, as you improve, your, your changes are going to get less and less noticeable, but they're not going to be any less important. Um, and so starting to navigate and, and sort of think about how we push past that initial discomfort that we all have when we try something new, um, I think is, is really, really important. And I, I hope this resonates for other folks too, to start to think about the mental training, because it's, I, I think mental training and mental fitness in some ways is a bit intimidating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of like physical training. There are just so many things you could do. Like, do you get on the elliptical or the treadmill or the step mill or the rowing machine, or do you lift weights or do you do CrossFit or do you run outside? It's like, well, sometimes maybe the best thing to do is just get started. And I, and I think this is the same concept, which is like, you could try imagery, or you could set some goals, or you could work on your self-talk, or you could meditate, or you could work on your relationships. All of them are going to help. So there's not like a right or wrong. But it is to say, just pick one and, and then see what your progress looks like. Um, and as you do that, then you can start to have different expectations around what your improvement will look like. And, you know, stick with it a little bit, just like with physical training. You know, if you stick with it a little bit, you'll start to see some of that improvement. And once you get that improvement, that's that's what I'm hopeful is a bit reinforcing for people to keep going down that path. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What you said. OK, I, I just need to repeat it Um if it is uncomfortable, if it is difficult, that's probably an area where we could use some training. I mean, I don't say, you know, I always skip 
leg day because I have no lower body strength. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, that's just not, uh, you know, you, you go extra to leg day because, you know, that's an area you want to improve. And it's kind of similar. And, and I love the list too, of like, just kind of what we're talking about. There's so many, there's free weights, there's machines, there's all the, you know, group classes. Uh, and it's very similar that, you know, for me, um, connecting at least weekly with somebody to have a cool conversation um, is a place where I have definitely um, been able to become more, uh, it's, it's contributed to my mental fitness. So thank you, United Podcast, right? Like, so uh, it looks so different um, for different people in the different ways that they're going to be mental, mentally healthy. And I know people that are just like, you know, I've added a five minute walk because I just need that um, breathing in the air or I have, um, you know, committed to listening to more music or playing more board games or whatever it is that small step um, really has uh, a big compound effect at the end. And another thing that you said that, um, as we wrap up was mental fitness fits a holistic approach and the idea of total fitness where fitness can prevent disease and promote health. And that's, that's everything that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, just to your last point real quick before I forget, I also hope we can get to a point where we, we celebrate some of those small wins, right? Like a five minute walk is a big deal. Yes, and, it and is. That's great. Um, and we should we should tap into that um, and and harness that and and then to this part, you know I think I think that's really you know as I've started to unpack the mental fitness stuff for myself and how it's relevant and how it resonates with the people I work with every day, um, you know I think a big part of it is really that total fitness side of things and and having some of these conversations and thinking about you know, prehab and rehab, I think is like a really fascinating dimension of the mental fitness conversation, because, um, you know, similarly, like every time our guys go play a basketball game, like there's a 30 minute warm up. you know, mm-hmm. like we're not just running out there and trotting out there. I think the same thing holds true for mental fitness, right? Before we go into that big meeting or before we play a game or before we interact with our kids, before we do something that's really important, like it's okay to need to warm up and and take your time to get there. And um, then learning to embrace some of the other sides of things like the rehab, taking care of yourself when things are a little bit more challenging or resting when you're injured. I think this is a really, um, I'm hopeful it's an accessible way to start to think about how you implement a bit of mental fitness into your life because it really is, it's about a bunch more than just preventing things from being wrong. It's really about living a a sort of whole and full life um, and and being able to do it for a really long time. Um, You know, I think it's, it's great to optimize the moment, but it's, it's also really important to think about your longevity and what you hope to accomplish and who you hope to be and how you hope to develop over the course of your life. And so I think that's where this total sort of consideration comes in, right. As a, if you just run, 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 eventually your body's going to force you to rest. And I think the same thing is true in mental fitness, right? If you just, um, you know, push, 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 eventually your brain's going to force you to rest. And so starting to integrate all those different aspects, I think could make a huge difference for how we live. Huge, huge. And, you know, as you say that, I think, you know, from this conversation, um, I'm just going to kind of make a mental game plan. Like people make a, a physical, you know, strategic game plan to um, 
do a little bit more rest when I'm injured because that's that's an area that I can improve in when um, you know I see something on the news that is painful or you know something um, hurts my feelings or I'm disturbed about something I tend to push more because it's distracting and it you know feels good or whatever feel like I'm doing the work but I think taking a moment and, and resting a little bit and recognizing the toll that that takes mentally, emotionally, physically too, um, could be helpful. So that's an example of one, one way we can look at our mental fitness and make some improvement. Uh, I love it. And I I'm happy to share what I'm, what I'm working on too. Yeah. Uh, I've, I have, um, and this is one that's been challenging for me. So I'm glad we're bringing it up a, a bit is um, I've really wanted to journal more. That's mm. something that, you know, I, I've seen the research about it. Um, I've implemented it and, you know, with folks I've worked with, um, I've seen the benefits of it, even myself as I've done it, but for some reason I can't seem to stick with it. And so I'm really challenging myself to be a little bit more consistent and deliberate in what I journal about and not just sort of going through the motions um, because similarly to, to what you're describing, um, I think one of the ways that I, I deal with what's going on and, um, you know, I'm navigating the, the various circumstances and work is I just keep going um, and I don't really take time to process or reflect or, um, you know, sort of consolidate what I've learned. And so the journal is an attempt to force my hand at that a little bit um, and to force me to sit with some of the things that uh, maybe I'm not doing so well or things that I want to improve or things that I am doing well that I hope I can keep doing. And so um, that's that's been a big part of my game plan too. It is still a, very much a work in progress. That's awesome. I, I love it. And any journaling that you're doing is, you know, more than you would be doing if you weren't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's so right. yeah. And, and see like, you know, um, in a couple of weeks I can just say, Hey Alex, how's the journaling going? And you could say, you know, however, and, uh, you can say, how's your <laughs> taking a rest on occasion going? And I'll be like, Oh, it's, you know, fantastic. I'm sure. So I'm going to hold you to it for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's accountability. We use it in physical training. So there you go. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Thank you so much. This has really been a great conversation about such an adaptive and helpful way to talk about what you know we talk about on United every week. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure, and uh, I hope hope your audience finds it useful. It was, a, it was exciting to join you and share some. And thanks for letting me unpack it with you. Well, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. That would be great. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, take care. You too. Again, a big thank you to Dr. Alex Auerbach, as well as our producer, Graham Doty. If you're struggling at this time, please reach out to a licensed mental health professional in your area. And we want to hear from you about topics that you want to hear about. So please reach out to us at info at Let us know what would be helpful for you and your fellow athletes to hear about. Share this podcast with anyone you believe would be helped by it. Subscribe to it, rate it, and review it because that helps other athletes find the podcast. If you would like to know more about Holinsky's Hope, including how to donate to help with all that they're doing to support student-athlete mental health and reduce the stigma that surrounds mental illness, visit www.holinskyshope.org. Please take care of yourself. Please take care of others. And always have hope. Thank you.